0: Hello, Kofkin Bond listeners, and welcome to episode 72. Today's exciting one. Um, We have another guest in store today and one that Tony's been looking forward to getting on this podcast for a while. Um, When you get these two chatting together, like some of our guests, they can go on forever, which is great. Um, They're both passionate about what they do. Um, And we've talked a lot about SME owners and the work that we do with them. And the guest that we have on today uh, has a vast history of working with business owners. And actually, helping them set up for exits. So, you would have seen her on TV, you would have seen her on radio, or heard her on radio. You would have read about her in the papers in Australia. I don't think she's—I don't think there's a paper that she hasn't been in or quoted in. Um, so, it's our pleasure today to have a, and a very Jamie,
1: successful author as well, by the way, Jamie. Remember, so, I, was, so. I was
0: just getting yeah. to that, but very important. <laughs> welcome to our podcast.
2: Thanks very much, Jamie. It's an absolute pleasure to be here.
0: Tony, you have led me in, um, and that was my first question, but we were actually just discussing it over. moment. But, Kerry, you've also written, amongst other things, two books.
2: Yes, I have. I, um, I've written, <clears throat> pardon me, my first book is a little one called The Uncensored Truth About Exit Strategies, and um, I look at some myths that are actually around... Um, thinking that business owners need to do and and I think it's really important uh, for people to understand that a thing like an exit strategy is um, not taboo and (laughs) um, unfortunately a lot of people see it as being um, the end of the road when in fact it's the beginning of the road for for the next phase of your life. And the other one that I've written is one called Million Dollar Payday, which is a it's a real how-to book. And I was really gratified the other day. I had a an email from a client that I've been working with who said, oh, I can't believe it, Kerry. Your book has been so helpful to me, particularly page 33. And now chapter four. So I had to go and grab the book and say, what did I write what in page 33? <laughs> <laughs> oh, about, it's about. that's right that's right so um it was really thrilling anyway the um and i'm sure we'll uh, we'll let everyone know how they can get hold of a copy of uh, each of those towards the end anyway so we
0: will we'll um we'll put the links when we send them out through our edms as well as our um social media links but today what we're going to do is actually run through a few of the myths um about exit planning and some of the things that you talk about in those books but Tony, do you want to provide a little bit
1: of background um, on the work that you and Kerry do? Yeah, Kerry and I first met when I was um, asked to do a training session up in Sydney, um, and we'd come across each other a couple of times, but um, I swear, and that would have been probably four years ago now, Kerry. Mm. Uh, Maybe about four years ago, and yeah, and we've become uh, really good friends over that period of time as well. So, um, I've always really admired the way Kerry does her business, um, etc. And and obviously, dealing with the same clients but in two different industries, it's really important. And one of the things that I've always said is that there's there's if a client is Well, I'll give you actually an example of a client who owns an excavation business and he said, realistically, how can I sell this business, Tony? And I said, you're making a multi-million dollar profit and you've got 40-odd staff and you've got all these assets sitting here You should actually be looking at building it uh, to actually be, so it becomes a sellable asset, so it's not reliant on you anymore. So somebody might want to come in and actually merge the business or buy you outright. So they're the type of things where clients sometimes don't think that their business is a sellable asset or think it is, but don't do anything about it until they actually want to sell it, and they miss out on that million-dollar payday or A lot less money. So, uh, but if I could just add one thing here, which I find really interesting as somebody who reads a lot, when you have a look at the BRW top 200, the BRW top 200, that on average, 70% of the wealth. of the people in the BRW Top 200 is actually owned in their own businesses. So if you take, for example, Pratt, the majority of his wealth is owned in uh, Busy. If you take, for example, Gina Reinhart, the majority of her wealth is the value of her business. So if you have a look at that in the BRW Top 200, but then if you have a look at the BRW Top 50 family-owned wealthiest families in Australia – you actually find that virtually there's only about 25% of the asset is actually owned in their own business because they're the intergenerational wealth people. So they're the ones who have already sold their businesses, built up their business, sold it for multi, multi millions of dollars, uh, in some cases hundreds of millions of dollars, and then divested that uh, for their generations uh, in retirement. So we work with a few of those families. So I think it's quite interesting that if you have a look at what you don't want to happen, and this is where Kerry comes in and works with clients, is making sure that if 70 to 80% of your assets, your most valuable asset is your business, making sure you do actually end up getting that million dollar payday uh, when the time is right to sell it. So so that that's the parts that I really want to add. But Kerry and I have become good good friends over the years uh and work quite well for each other as well so uh so i'll hand back to you there jamie
0: yeah so look uh, before we run through the myths um i guess Kerry, do you want to give us a little bit of background as to how you got into this area of um business
2: absolutely i think uh what's really um, what's important more than anything is that um I am my own, I'm my own experience of having been through this process on uh, several occasions and and um, without getting into all nitty-gritty detail, I had an opportunity to buy a business that I happened to be the general manager of, which was back in 1987. It was a division of um, Maine Nicholas and I'm sure some of our listeners will know Maine Nicholas from days gone by and it's uh, currently called Maine Farmer. They decided way back when to get out of a number of different businesses. And um, so the opportunity presented itself. I went along to a a very dear friend and mentor and said, well, what do you think about this? Can we buy this business? He said, you write the plan, Kerry, and I'll help you get the finance together. Because my husband and I, at that stage, we had nothing. (laughs) you know. But uh, um, I saw the opportunity and thought, this is something we need to do that's when I first learned about exit strategies, which was um, to me at the time, it was just one of those things. um, I learned about how to do it from a book that had been written by some couple of MIT professors called Stanley Rich and David Gumpet. And uh, when I finally got the book, wrote the plan by the book, and as I say, the rest is history. We, we did buy the company. The exit plan was to build it, grow it, sell it to an international group, somewhere between the five and the 10-year mark. We had 83 staff, five offices around Australia, 120 international agents. So it was a decent-sized business. Anyway, we managed to achieve it at the nine-year mark. So I then had my first experience of retiring. So I know what that's like. And that was two weeks. That was it. I couldn't cope (laughs) any longer. So um, uh, I then started another business with uh, some other uh, wonderful business partners. Again, went for about nine years. And uh, we basically sunset, what I call sunset, that business. And um, it was in business coaching. So it was before business coaching became flavour of the month or as well regarded, actually, as it is now these days. Um, so I decided to spend some time with children at the same time, my husband and I also bought into a real estate business. He was in that industry. Um, we had a fantastic opportunity that came along in 2007, uh, where I say the, um, the Alan Bond came along in our life. You know, you only usually get one chance and it's like, as Kerry Packer said, you usually only get one Allen Bond in your life. And that was when he sold channel nine. So we had the similar experience because we always had a belief that no matter what your business is, you should run it as if it's always for sale. It doesn't matter what you want to do with it, but it should always be for sale. And if you run your business that way, then if an opportunity comes along like that, well, you have it, you, you can make a decision. So our decision was at the time to sell the business and, um, My husband then stayed on with it in real estate. I I was still doing some pro bono and uh, directorship work at the time, Um, and we went went through a period where he wasn't very well. So um, just looked after him, got through that. Then we started again (laughs) in another real estate business, and I pivoted into what I saw was a huge huge gap in the market so having um, come through uh, several businesses had several different styles of exit uh, retiring twice you know and realizing that that's not something I particularly wanted to do um, I thought well what's out there and um, I discovered a press release from PwC and um, they talked about the baby boomers and the number of baby boomers in particular who would be exiting their businesses over the course of the next 20 years. And frankly, we're just at the beginning of it, really. We're heading into um, the next eight years, despite what's happening uh, around us with a pandemic. Over the course of the next eight years, there'll be the biggest number of people turning 65 in the history of Australia so 2028 in fact is where we'll hit the peak and so those those who are in their businesses as tony said where so much of their wealth is actually being tied up into the business if you need to start thinking about it now as to what we're going to do and there's so many different options that we might have um i think uh jamie going into perhaps one of the areas that um, is a myth is about, you know, well, what on earth am I going to do after I've sold my business? Well, if anything's a dress rehearsal for that, this pandemic that we've been experiencing, I think, is very much a dress rehearsal, you know. Um, As much as uh, it's hurting businesses economically, it's also hurting people in that... You ask, oh, how are you getting on? Oh, I'm bored, I don't know what to do. Well, you know, this is really akin to what happens to a lot of people. Um, they might go through the whole process of, of uh, leaving their businesses and in whatever format that might, might be, they might sell it, they might transition to family, you know, there's a whole range of different ways that you can exit a business. but they then don't think enough about what on earth it is that they're going to do with their life after business. And that's so important. Um, So we can get onto that a little bit further as we go forward. I
1: think think, Kerry, just to add to that, there's, um, I mean, an example I give of that is my father who retired at age 55. Uh, sold his business um, didn't get what he should have got for it but in, in saying that though he, after three months I think my mum was going to kill him uh, because he, he was like well can I she did her charity work every day and he said well can I drive you there and she goes no that's my hour and a half of walking every day you know, walking to some Vinnies and back. And he said, well, can I come and join you? She said, no, you go and find your own stuff. And, it was, um, and then I spoke to him and he came back and worked with me three days a week which and played lawn bowls the other two days a week. So, uh, But I think that that's an example of he just needed a rest, uh, but he had no plans after he retired. And I actually think that Ed ended up adding a lot to his illnesses that he hadn't later life as well. Uh, because he wasn't as social as my mum, but you talk about the pandemic—that's really hit my mum quite hard. Because she is a very social person, and she's isolated, not having any family here, uh, with the exception of me. Um, as a carer, I can go over and visit her um, and have lunch with her, you know, once a week and help her with her shopping. But yeah, she's missed all that stuff. So retiring with nothing to do could not be anything worse in the world, I think. So it's or uh, not having a plan.
2: Yes, exactly. Absolutely, 100 percent correct. So that's uh, it's one of the one of the very um, important elements of thinking about an exit. That last T, it's a transition. That's what it's about. So um, I use an acronym, uh, exit, to talk about exit, which is of course, which is evaluate. So first of all, evaluate your business and see where you're at. Um, evaluate what you want to do in terms of the future. Um, d- what are the real challenges that might be ahead for you and particularly in terms of the business because you want to make that business as transferable as possible without you so usually the next step from that is to look at um, what you need to explore to be able to do that and who you need to engage and and have involved in um, making sure that your business is as Reliant on everyone else as it can be, and not you, Um, because if you, um, you know, if you're in a where if your business is 100% solely reliant on you, it's really not sellable. It's not transferable. Uh, So um, you need to work to make sure that that um, process isn't that isn't the case with your business, and that usually requires some innovation, some sort of improvements, some sort of iterations that go on, improving your valuation, especially, and finding out what the real potential is for the business as you go forward. And then of course, transition is that last T, as I mentioned before, yeah.
0: I guess let's start out when um, people, I guess, engage you or having that conversation. And I'm sure there's a few questions raised, but I, I like one of the points here that we're going to make is, you know, you don't need an exit strategy until you're ready to sell your business. And I guess mm-hmm. that would be a big, thing point for a
2: lot of people. That's a mistake a lot of people make. And um, it's sad, really, because if you're in a position where you have to sell, you know what happens.
0: Yeah, you know sales.
2: Yep. You, fire sales someone else comes along and says great this is a real opportunity for me but for you it's a sad affair um and part of that's also around thinking about contingencies because we don't know what might happen so plan planning ahead and putting in place some some contingency arrangements if something might happen to you i mean heaven forbid it can be an illness, you know, um, that might happen uh, or an accident. We don't want to think on the negative side of things necessarily, but those think that's part of life. So um, having contingency arrangements in place is really important, especially if you have other business partners as well. I mean, putting in, in place um, initially um, some succession agreements or buy-sell agreements is really important. If you don't have those in place, you can find yourself in um, some difficulty. Uh, I've had some clients who started a business together and it became really successful. Eight years down the track, one of them wanted out. There was no plan in place. There would be no contingencies. There'd been no buy-sell agreement. None of that had been put in place. And so it became quite acrimonious. It's, it, you know, it became a, a business partner divorce instead of it being um, a uh, procedure that they could follow that everyone had agreed on earlier. So yeah, waiting until it's upon you and you suddenly decide is a really, um, what, <laughs> it's a very good way to make sure that you don't get your full value. Put it that way, yes.
0: Right. So, what happens with these people growing a business and they're, they're they're keeping busy? There's that excuse, you know, I'm I'm too busy to worry about this at the moment. How do you sort of deal with that?
2: Okay. So, so look, I'm sure, um, especially in smaller businesses, people don't plan as much as they should do in terms of creating um, business plans. You know, um, they tend to fly by the seat of their pants, and it is a discipline. Um, I happened to become involved in um, with a client a couple of years ago who had never in their entire life sat down and done um, any sort of a budget to speak of. Um, and they had a pretty decent sized business, 20 staff, you know, a couple of offices, and um, it was when I asked to see the budget, it was, I don't worry about those sorts of things, you know, we we don't do that. Well, we took the time, I must say, we created the time, engaged a couple of the senior people and um, it was it was a real revelation because there'd been so much, first of all there'd been a lot of cash flowing through the business, and it had been leaking at the bottom that they didn 't know about so so if you 're too busy to do those sorts of things to sit back and think about um, what you really need to do for your business to have a well run business. Um, from a, particularly from a financial perspective, then um, you do run the risk of um, finding that you have nothing in the future as well to sell. So, so that's just good business sense. I mean, it's just one of the key value drivers if you want to actually create value in your business to have something, it's having uh, proper planning systems in place.
0: Yeah, and I guess that leads on, you, you were discussing before with Tony and it was talking about the, I guess, the entrepreneurs that become the business themselves at the start. Uh, you know, I'm already successful, why do I need to worry about an exit? You know, the business is heavily relying on them. They need to start thinking about shaping the way that their f- business is going to be in the future because, as you said, if they're to drop off, it's worth nothing.
2: Yeah, it's about that tr- transferability um, you know, there's really some key value drivers in every business. And that is, uh, first of all, uh, having some good, strong financials. I mean, that's just, you, you take that as a as a given. Um, and what I mean by that too, especially, is to um, make sure you're doing regular accounts. Um, depending on the size of the business, you might need an audit or, you know, you wanna make sure that you've got everything up to date. Yeah. Um, and that, that you've got, some growth in your in your um, in your marketplace, uh, a lot of people also make the mistake of waiting um, until they've they 've ridden the business over the top is how I like to explain it so they think oh no i've got to, you know it 's really profitable now um, but i'm i 'm just going to wait a little while because I think uh, you know that i 've got enough money now and i 'm going to wait a little while and see if I can um, get some more money out of it. Well, that's not the way to go to be able to necessarily create the most value, leaving something in it, showing that you've got a good strong growth market, um, leaving something in it for the next person who comes along um, is really uh, a, a much better way to look at it. The, the dependence on you, the, the owner, will detract from the value, again, of the business, if the business is dependent on the same, as if it's dependent on any one key supplier, any one key customer, or even any one other staff member. So, you know, being able to put some diversification around each of those um, key people is really important. Um, Cash flow, clearly, (laughs) is another key driver. Um, Marketing differentiation as well. I mean, I could go on, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tony,
0: yeah. you've also helped, I guess, clients with this when you were talking about the excavation company, but it's about getting those, the people that they trust in the business to be even more involved at a higher level.
1: Yeah, I think um, we've done some succession planning for, it's interesting what Kerry said about, you know, business owners and not having, you know, things like buy-sell agreements in place. And and it's the buy-sell agreements in place, sometimes when you got, partnerships, I think on average, uh, I think it's some statistic like only about 12% of companies that are, have partnerships, so in other words, multiple business owners actually only have buy-sell agreements or um, agreements that are funded in some way to actually look after the exit, uh, whether it be through, through divestments um, or other investments or just funded by insurance. But those business owners that are by themselves... Um, So in other words, they own it by themselves, there are no business partners in there. We've done a couple where we've identified key staff members in their office and actually set up a buy-sell agreement funding agreements where in the event of that owner's passing, uh, the insurance will actually buy out the estate. So those key people have been working there for 15, 20 years and actually have been instrumental in buying the business actually will um, we'll actually get to take over the business by virtue of being able to pay through the proceeds from the insurance company. Um, So we do proper valuations on the business at the time, but what we've also then done is put in a succession plan in place where they actually have an option to actually in the business. So for example, the business might be valued at a million dollars today. The owner might provide an option, say of say, let's say 10% for our numbers uh, in the business. If the business sells in five years time for $2 million, that employee will actually get 10% of the sale proceeds um, as well. And also if the business pays out a dividend throughout that period, they'll get paid the first amount of the money, not as a dividend because they can't, they're not a shareholder, but as a bonus uh, in their wage and then the what's left, the other 90% will then be paid out as a dividend uh, to the owner as well. So by doing that, they've, they've actually put a succession plan in place where the employee has actually been... Now, if the employee was to get up and go, uh, there's no there's no option agreement in place. They don't get their value of those shares because they haven't paid for them. Uh, so they actually have to stay uh, for all that period of time. So that's a way through share option plans of actually rewarding valuable employees in the business, but actually also in the event of those employees also potential risk of their mortgage, their job and everything, if that business owner was to drop off dead. So you might have a business value to 5 million bucks today and very profitable and everyone's got good high paying jobs, but if uh, that owner was to drop off um, and their family come in to sell the business and they might only get a million bucks for it, and all those employees could potentially be out of business. Uh, they could be out of work very quickly. I mean, it's one of the things we look at when we buy a business, Is are we going to take on any of the employees? Yeah. So it's, um, or are we just buying the assets of the business? No. So it's, um, so, you know, on a sale, there is that potential. So it's a way of actually rewarding key employees in the business. without actually realizing a capital gains tax uh, for yourself um, and also being able to give them long-term reward for staying as well.
2: Yeah. I think actually, what you've um, demonstrated, Tony, is is that no matter what, how, however, which way you decide you want to exit your business, it's not a solo decision, and it's not one act that it takes a village. Like it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a village to help you to get through that exit process. And so, yep. it's it's important to have someone like uh, you and the team there to be able to. Uh, give them options around the creative thinking that is required for how do you finance an exit out of your business in that case if you are an individual owner like that and and you you, you know you want to sell say to your employees or some key, key people how can they afford to buy the business um, you know you need, your accountant is is, is an important um, element of all of that as well um, as is uh, someone who does estate planning and you know the legal side of things so Um, it's really important to have a strong team around you, a cohesive team that actually can make all that happen for you.
0: Yeah, so we've talked about succession of the business. Um, What's the difference, Kerry, though, in a succession plan and then an exit strategy?
2: Um, Most people think that they're interchangeable and they probably are to some extent. Uh, And it's the process that you might like to um, put in place yourself to figure out succession of the business, but then transition yourself in terms of exit, what that is actually going to look like and what it's going to mean for you and over what period of time. So um, so they're very much intertwined, but they're not identical. <laughs> uh, one relates to you, one relates to the business. And I think it's really, really important as we've talked about earlier, to figure out what the heck you're going to do um, once you've uh, exited from your business, because a lot of people's identity is actually tied up in that business. You know, um, I think um, of another client that I know who um, sold his business, eventually over a period, quite a large business actually, had about 500 people employed at one stage, Um, but then, Took him about 10 years to finally exit um, all of the different businesses that he had and thought it was going to be great play golf three days a week, you know, go off and visit people and um, have coffees here and there. And um, within 12 months, he was in clinical depression because he just didn't have enough to keep him occupied. But at the same time, Found that his identity was so tied up in who he used to be as that business owner that that was the real issue. That was the root of it all, and um, particularly with men, you know, unfortunately, that's that happens a lot um, where the they are they are the business. The business is them. So. Dealing with that in terms of understanding what your exit is all about, and creating a new meaning for yourself in terms of purpose, and having a, you know a life without purpose is no life really. Creating that purpose for yourself after you've finished in your in your um, in that phase of your life where you've been in uh, the business person. So creating a new new person for yourself.
1: Can I uh, just add to that? It's interesting you say that I had a client uh, 20 odd years ago who sold a very successful business that he had actually inherited from his father and when he sold it, he was 70. Uh, But uh, his uh, surname is everywhere. Um, So I won't mention the business name, but it's everywhere. So you you have dinner, you see your surname. It is just absolutely everywhere. Um, and when he sold that business, he was in a similar situation because he grew up in that business as a basically a five-year-old kid out in the back in the warehouse. Um, so he had known that business his entire life um, and been part of that. And he had about 300 staff members. As I said, very successful business. But for him, in planning his exit and he got a huge payout, but one of the things he actually did was he was actually a very charitable uh, gent and he set up um, a charitable foundation, placed $15 million into the charitable foundation, which we actually uh, managed a chunk of that for those money from. That's how I actually met him and learned his story. But for him, the charitable foundation became his and his wife's life. Uh, it was all about building orphanages all around the world it was all about giving back um, it was all about uh funding funding underprivileged children uh you know making sure that they had education uh things like that so they're not just uh out there on the streets and you know when they lose their parents etc and so the amount of, that that became his life that happened to his death uh that was you know his purpose him and his wife's purpose and that was he probably spent more time and had more passion working in that than actually what he did in the business at the end as well. He just he just loved doing that. So he had purpose when he sold. Uh, and, and that wasn't all of his sale proceeds, but that was a huge chunk of his sales proceeds. And it was about giving back uh, to people, which I thought was tremendous. Um, you know, his story, I, I think his overall story is tremendous, but that would take hours to talk about that. But he's uh, just... Was having that purpose when he retired is what you spoke about, Kerry.
2: That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. And it yeah. does mean that you do have to give some thought to it.
1: Yeah. yeah. So for my dad, for my dad, I was sleeping in and thinking he was going to play lawn bowls every day. And as I said, after three months, the summer season was over and mum was going to kill him. So very different, but very different scenario. You, yes,
2: exactly. I married you for better or worse, but not for lunch. So. That's right. <laughs>
1: I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that, Kerry. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's um. So, uh, Kerry, what's some other key
0: issues that you discuss with business owners when you are sort of first meeting them?
2: Oh, look, usually when I'm I first sit down, the main focus is on the business. So, um, uh, and and we get into that, and then we'll often have a conversation about the the staff and the team and how is the business operating, do lots of evaluation around the business and figure out um, where the risks are more than anything and what they, you know, what is the plan? What is What do we want to do and where are the gaps? We do a bit of a gap analysis. So um, uh, looking at each of the value drivers, especially looking at the team in particular, you know, who's there, what sort of thinking, um, is, is does the business owner already have in terms of what a potential exit might be? Uh, what sort of timing do we need to think about? And you know, the interesting thing is, of course, that one day everyone is going to exit their business. It doesn't matter who you are because we are. Are you listening, to, are you listening
1: to that, Tony? <laughs> one day you're exiting. <laughs> I, well, according to you, I'll be exiting in a coffin at the age of 105. Is the only way you get me out of the office. <laughs> well,
2: see. That's another option, isn't it? So then you've got to figure out how you're going to how you're going to cope with that. How's the how's the team going to cope with? It? Well, we're all humans, so we are always all going to exit our business one day. So do we want to? be Harry, able to the thing of the it thing the
1: thing is though is I actually know that I'm not the boss in our business. <laughs> so I I I I know where I stand on the ladder, and it's not at the highest rung. I can assure you. <laughs> so it's uh yeah. so there are there are lots of people, including young Arden there, who very are very good at bossing me around and telling me what. Today.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yep. Well, most of the time, we just you know we just sort of really sit down and think about what are the options and what could happen. What what uh, what your desire might be to you know you might have some ideas to start with where you want to go. I have a I do actually have a couple of clients at the moment who are uh, transitioning their business to some key staff, uh, so we have to work together. Uh, to make to bring a bring the staff along, bring them up to speed, um, but all and also have the, have it so that the business can run successfully without the business, you know, the key person being the business owner there and be able to transition all of that. And that's a process. You know, it takes a few years. It doesn't happen overnight, um, as much as some people would like it to. So. Uh, yeah, we cover off on, you know, all of, all of the different elements that you need to look at in terms of de-risking the business in terms of some transition and to be able to make the process as smooth and as easy as possible.
0: Fantastic. Kerry, I guess to close off, um, we discussed at the start, but do you want to, I guess, for our listeners, do you want to tell us a little bit about your two books and, and where we can where we can get those? I know oh. I know we haven't met someone in our office, but we probably can't get people, can't pick them up at the moment.
2: Absolutely, Jamie. Um, so, best place really is to go to my website, uh, which is theexitstrategygroup.com.au, and on the website, there's a the little tab that says books, and uh, you'll find them there. So. Um, I'm very happy to send uh, complimentary copies of the Uncensored Truth About Exit Strategies to people. Um, and the other one, Million Dollar Payday, well, that's that's available for uh, the postage and handling. So if anybody orders that uh, after listening to the podcast, I'm I'll, I'll just happy to throw them together and pop them out, so.
0: Fantastic. Tony, any more questions for Kerry today?
1: No, uh, Kerry, as I said, you've become a very good friend. Um, love working with you. Uh, looking forward to working with you in the future. And as we were talking, I was thinking of about 10 clients that I will certainly be forwarding this uh, podcast to and saying, have a good listen to this because this is what we've been talking about for the last you know, 18 months to two years. And when we can sit down and have a coffee again, I'm introducing you to Kerry. So I think you can add a lot of value to a lot of these. Uh, business owners who are in their late 50s, uh, early 60s, looking at the next stage of their life, um, as well. So, uh, well, I think you can add a lot of value to all business owners. As I've said to Jamie, if um, if somebody knocks on our door and said, you know, and it was an Alan Bond, and says, I've got a ridiculous amount of bag of money to give you. Um, I want to buy your business based on your reputation. Show me your business plan. I want to be able to say, here it is, and no dust coming off it. I want to be able to show all the financials. I want to show all the income. I want to show all the growth. I want to show the marketing, I want to show, um, you know, all their staff, all their key roles, absolutely everything. So rather than saying to them, yeah, I'll get that to you in, in a week if that's okay, and then working ridiculously long hours trying to get it done in the space of a week. So I think that's important for all business owners. One day they will be exiting their business and retiring.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, I do say to people the best time to uh, think about your exit strategy is when you first start your business. Absolutely. It's never too early and it's never too late.
1: When all the stars are still in your eyes, all the plans are still there, all the enthusiasm is still there. Uh so it's um and yes I think that's the most important time. And I think too Kerry just to add to that and as you know um you know yourself and John have been uh you know entrepreneurs over a very long period of time as well but I think uh, the fact is that being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, you can be very successful but can also be very lonely. So knowing who to reach out to and being able to uh, have that help and I know you've done a lot of work back in the community where you live as well, you know, especially if um, you, you love South Melbourne slash Sydney Swan, <laughs> so uh, I'm, but the I'm South queen Melbourne cricket, yeah, I'm yeah, queen the, of the canteen. absolutely, okay. you are. So, but uh, you've done a lot of work back in the community as well. But I think that's the important part is that when all the enthusiasm is there, or when you are starting to plant, having it done and doing it properly is just so vitally important for the end result.
2: Absolutely. Couldn't, nope. Could not agree more. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Kerry, thank you very much for your time today. And um, as we said, we'll send this out with all the links and people can t- contact you from there. But thank you very much.
2: My pleasure. Thanks, Kerry. Right.
0: Thank you. Bye, team.